Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. And I'm not actually just out for a rip. <clears throat> I'm in my office instead of going to bed, reading a couple pages out of my autographed copy of Wish You Were Dead uh, by Dan Anderson. Because I actually, I thought it was maybe a, a explanation of why people want me dead. They wish I was dead, but it's not. It's a fiction. Uh, seems like a pretty good book, although I don't have time to watch it. Anyhow, earlier on today, I said that I was going to do a live uh, talking about some things that are kind of hot topics these days. Now, you may remember me from such webinars as, uh, you know, Alberta Prosperity Project webinars or Chris and Carrie shows or things like that. This is totally different. This is just me and you and the computer screen and a copy of Dan Anderson's book, Wish You Were Dead. And, uh, yeah. So, like usual, it's been an interesting few months and especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, I took on a role with the Alberta Prosperity Project as the interim CEO a while back. And it's taken up quite a bit of time and everything came to a head this weekend. <clears throat> And I ended up having to pull out of some uh, events that I was scheduled to speak at. So my apologies to Grand Prairie and Peace River for that. I'll do my best to get up there one of these days so we can have a little visit. Um, so I've been quite busy with a lot of stuff, like specifically my business with the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. Some of you might know me from, well, I mean, just because I was one of the few restaurants in Alberta that opened up against the restrictions after a year of compliance. Uh, some of you might know me from the guy that drove a picker truck to Ottawa, <clears throat> a truck that has no business driving to Ottawa, by the way, with my girlfriend and my girlfriend, um, Jessica and Carrie. Um, maybe some of you know me from, you know, the Alberta Prosperity Project or some of the webinars we've done. Maybe some of you found out about me because uh, we're suing the government for billions of dollars for damages to businesses uh, because of the illegal orders that uh, Dean Henshaw used to close businesses down. Some of you might even know me from a video I did that I thought was friggin' hilarious, by the way, on where I was doing an expose on the little Cessna that could. Regardless of how you know me, you probably don't really know me any more than you know anybody else who's a talking head on the internet. Uh, and actually, that's not true. A lot of you really do know me because you've come to the cafe to meet me. And that is key. That really is key here. Uh, knowing people or what you know or what you think you know. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to read the post that I wrote this morning. And then I'm going to maybe talk about some of the things that I alluded to. So here we go. P.S. If you haven't seen my video describing Cam Niner and how we spray the skies to change the weather in a Cessna 
with a useful load of 800 pounds, including passengers, check it out. That's super cool. Okay, here's what I wrote this morning. I said, good morning all. I'm just getting ready to head down to the What's Up Cafe in Mare, Alberta for an awesome coffee. Yes, the best coffee in town. Then I have a long day of chores to do with breaks for delicious meals at the cafe. Both of those things are absolutely true. We have the best coffee in town and our food is freaking phenomenal. It's absolutely wonderful. It doesn't even really belong in a gas station. It belongs in uh, a restaurant with decor. Anyhow. Uh, so then I said, after I posted a winky face, but as I sit here reading through some comments, I think it's time I do a live stream to chat with you all about some hot topics. So the comments in particular that I read were referring to my video where I was talking about Charlie Hotel Echo Mike Niner and how we spray the skies. <clears throat> um, I did a follow-up video to that explaining to people that know that wasn't actually real and what I was doing, uh, you know, because I'm an asshole, is I was pointing out the fact that people will believe anything they 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 see on the internet. If they see it on the internet, it must be true, especially if it was on Facebook. And in that video, I said some stuff that was so bizarre, so out there, so wacko, um, purposefully, by the way, that I thought, well, nobody could possibly believe this because people generally think for themselves and, you know, that we're not really slaves to confirmation bias, are we? I said things like um, a static dis discharge tube was a flexi nozzle for spraying either liquid or uh, solid chem, you know, in case you want to genocide an entire province. Now that statement in itself, I thought, oh, once people hear that, they're going to get it. They're going to get the joke and they're going to be pissed off at me or they're going to laugh. Either way, I don't care because I just don't care. I said some other things like uh, I pointed at a screw on an exhaust pipe and I said, this is a, a diffuser screw. It's supplied and installed by the government. Completely ridiculous thing to say. People believed it. Anyhow, I'll continue. So I said, maybe I'll just spill the beans about these topics. I'm going to tell all folks, I'm going to tell you all the truth, and it's going to be shocking. So shocking. Want to know the truth about my involvement in different organizations? Ooh. Do you want to know what I really think about others around me, their platforms, their fundraising purposes? And they're waiting for people to pop on. Paint in my hands. Have you ever wondered how the Whistle Stop Cafe seems to be the only restaurant that survived being open against the restrictions? Was it all coordinated right from the beginning as a government psyop? I mean, that's really the only logical conclusion, right? What was the real reason that I refused to participate in the restrictions exemption program and instead kept my cafe closed for dine-in services? That in itself is so suspicious that you should probably cast me aside and wish me dead. That's super suspicious. I mean, who wouldn't participate in that? What was the real reason? No, I already read that. What did the multi-million dollar check that I received look like? I'm going to show you that check. I have it sitting right here. I have a check 
for $2 million sitting right beside me. And I'm going to show you folks later. How do I always have a bad hairdo, even though my barber is awesome and I leave the shop looking like Antonio Banderas? Now, that is actually true, 100%. When I leave the barber after I get a haircut, um, I look just like Antonio Banderas. I even speak with a Spanish accent a little bit. The problem is I only look like Anto Antonio Banderas until somebody sees me and then I change back to this thing. It's really frustrating, but it's caused me to get more haircuts than usual. So, I mean, well, at least I'm supporting the economy by supporting my, my barber. Uh, what exactly is in our gravy that makes it so delicious? No, it's not people. No, no, it is not Soylent Green. It's not people, but I will tell you what it is later. And finally, the most important question of all, why, oh, why do we call our flagship burger a zombie burger? See you sometime later, which is very suspicious, Chris. And then I also posted at the bottom of that the crypto key for the uh, account or the wallet key for the account that they deposit my money into. And I said, you can tell us legit because you see it right here in real life on Facebook. Best thing to do would be share it or make a TikTok to prove your allegations against me. <clears throat> now, I said something similar with my uh, Chem Niner video. I actually said, you know, this stuff, it's obviously true because I put it on Facebook. And you can't argue with something that's on Facebook because you saw it with your own eyes. It must be true. And in this case, that crypto key is also true. Except, coincidentally, if you plug it into a hexadecimal translator, it also says something like, ah, you know what, I'll let you look for yourself. But it's just a coincidence. That's actually a real crypto key where my millions are. So let us begin with the tell all. My involvement in the different organizations. Actually, let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead to the check. Do you guys want to see? Do you guys want to see the check that I got? Two million bucks. I mean, there's people on the internet talking about it. That April Reeves lady, she says that I got millions of dollars from the government all the time. You know what? Apparently she was right. I have the check right here. Make sure you screenshot this so that when I erase this live stream later, you have proof to put on your TikToks. Here it is. Do you see it? Can you see my check? The evil government. Ottawa, Ontario. The check is drawn at the Big Bad Bank. Pay to the order of Chris from the Whistlesop Cafe. $2 million. $2 million, No change. Memo, shilling for us. Signed, K. Schwab. Now, I want you to pay attention to the transit and account number here. Very important, because if you take this transit and account number to your bank, you could probably get a million dollars too. I'll read it out for you just so that you realize what it is. Uh, the account number is the, the transit and routing number are 8675309. And the account number is 10001101101. I only sang it like that so you could remember it. It really has no relation or anything to anything else. 
So that's the check. Now, the problem I have with this check that I got from the big bad government or the big evil government written, drawn at the big bad bank is that uh, nobody will cash it for me. I mean, I brought it to like four different banks and they're all tyrants. They're all probably working for the WF and the WHO because they won't cash my check. So I know it's a conspiracy because my check that's literally written in crayon is not able to be cashed. And I believe this to be true. Uh, I actually saw it on Facebook that I was paid this much money. So I know it's true, but the banks won't give me the money. Anyway, it's all a bunch of bullshit. It's bullshit. I'll keep trying. So now that you know that I have that check, actually, oh my goodness, that picture freaked me out because it looks like the guy that's standing beside uh, the ex-premier Jason Kenney is like a reflection in my screen. So let me just change that. Hold on a second. Let's go to Sri Lanka. And if anybody can tell me why Sri Lanka is relevant to me at all or relevant to you or relevant to global affairs, I will buy you uh, dinner at the Wussestop Cafe in Merrillburg, which has fantastic food and the best coffee in town. Anyhow, my involvement in different organizations. Lately, I've seen lots of information about me on the internet uh, claiming that they know exactly why I got involved in different organizations. Some of my friends have said these things. Some of my enemies have said these things. Some random strangers that I've never met I've had no interaction with at all, just said some stuff about why I was in these organizations. Now I'll tell you the truth. I want things to change. That's it. I spoke at APP meetings and TBA meetings and Independence Party of Alberta meetings and Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta meetings. And I attended UCP AGMs <coughs> because. I want things to change. It's a real beer. I spent a year having my business pummeled by the government, by Alberta Health Services, by the Chief Medical Officer of Health. I knew it was wrong. I knew we weren't supposed to live this way. And I felt completely helpless because I was still under the impression that somebody was supposed to save us. And I quickly realized that nobody was going to save us Mostly because everybody's a pussy. Pardon, did I say that out loud? I meant to say everybody's a pussy. They really don't want to stand up for themselves. They didn't, our government didn't want to do the right thing. They just wanted to be quiet and let things pass so they could get reelected. They weren't going to save us. They never were. Politicians weren't going to do anything. They never were. I realized very quickly that if you want to do something, you want to save yourself, you better be the first one uh, out the door to do so. And so I looked for answers everywhere. Believe it or not, I actually read the Canadian Constitution for the first time in my life. I was 42 years old, and I had never read the Constitution, the supreme law of the country, what makes this country free. 42 years, and I didn't read it until I needed to. I read the Public Health Act, start to finish. I read the Liquor Act, Liquor Gaming Cannabis Act, start to finish. Looking for answers, looking for a way to, to get out of the mess that we were in. <clears throat> I talked to thousands of people, all who had different ideas, some of who now 
uh, because I don't buy into their harebrained moronic ideas, um, they persecute me. And they say that, oh, I must be working for the government because I don't buy into their lunacy. Well, guess what? I never said I was going to buy into anyone's lunacy. I said I wanted to run my business. I wanted to flip hamburgers. I wanted to pour coffee. That's what I wanted to do. And that's why I opened my restaurant against the restrictions. And that's what I've done. So when I found things that were uh, attractive and looked like they could be solutions, of course I would get behind that and support it because I was fighting for my future. That's it. Plain and simple. No one ever paid me to do anything. Nobody ever gave me $2 million to shill for the government. And anybody that says those things to you or posts them on the internet with claims about how they knew from the beginning I was just a con working for the government, they are fucking lying pieces of shit. Did I say that out loud? What I meant to say was, anybody saying those things about me are fucking liars. Plain and simple. And if you don't believe me, ask them if they have one shred of evidence to support their claims that I'm doing anything other than what I said I was going to do in the beginning, which was stand up for myself and pursue a solution. They don't have any evidence because there is none. They're liars. Now, if you choose to take me at my word, which probably some of you won't, because your bias, you confirm your own bias with things you see around you, even though it's not reality. You need to ask yourself, why do people do these things? Why would somebody accuse me of those types of things? I have an idea. It's because my truth doesn't fit their reality. My opinions, my path isn't appealing to them. There are a lot of people who got very, very upset with me when I stopped speaking at Independence Party of Alberta events because they had started farming rage. They had started lying. Not everybody, some had started lying about other politicians and other people, and I didn't want any part of it. Now, that's not to say that the group isn't made up of good people who I care about, but if you're not going to pursue the truth, and do what's right. I just don't want to have any part of it. It doesn't mean I'm going to trash anyone online or whatever. I never did that. I just did my own thing. But because I did that, people didn't like that. They didn't agree with it. And so they became offside with me. Then, as I realized that our solution uh, was in the current government, and the current legislators legislating on to our benefit, they didn't like that either. And so the stories got bolder and richer and more entertaining, but still a bunch of fucking liars. Uh, my over my uh, my what was it? My involvement 
in the Alberta Prosperity Project started as a guest speaker at their events. Now, I've realized that I had a knack of uh, a knack for getting my point across in such a way that motivated people to take action for themselves. And so I skipped out on my own job. Uh, I set my life on hold to drive around with that group and, and speak and help get people involved and was pretty successful at that, I think. Nobody paid me to do that. There was no money flying around, landing in my pocket, aside from when people personally came up to me and said, thank you, and, you know, put a $100 bill in my G-string. Shoot. I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag about my G-string. Sorry, folks. Anyway, it's my favorite string on my guitar, and it's the one that people, yeah, I do play the guitar, and people put the the money in the, in the strings of my guitar. Anyhow, that was my involvement with the APP. <clears throat> I was never paid. Um, I should be because I'm doing a job, but how do you get paid when there's no money there? And it's not about money. It's about making a difference. The unfortunate thing is if you're going to set your life on hold and not do your job and not earn your income, you got to eat. And so someone has to pay you. So that's why I say, you know, people doing these things should get paid. And the people that are supportive shouldn't have a problem with that because they should know that everybody needs to eat. And yes, I know I could skip a few meals. I'm getting kind of fat, but whatever, I still need to eat. That was my involvement. On that note, um, just before the election last year, you may have noticed that things started to really cool down with that organization and some there was a bunch of accusations made by people who were unhappy. Let's spill the beans about that too. There were people that were very, very unhappy that group refused to shill for a certain political party. No, not the UCP. It was a different one. There was a group of people that actually expected that the Alberta Prosperity Project was going to funnel people towards a political party. And that was never, ever the point of the organization. The point was to educate, inform, and inspire Albertans as to the benefits and rationale behind Alberta independence. Plain and simple. If a political party was the proper avenue to achieve those things, then that's what we would support. If not, then we wouldn't. It's simple, and it was like that from the beginning. But when push came to shove, there were a lot of people who expected expected people to shill for specific politicians or party, and there was none of it. So there were some things that were made up. Do you want to hear about some other liars? There were some people I found out later that were uh, taking people aside after me and other people who care deeply about this province would speak at events, telling them that we were all getting rich and there was millions of dollars flying around and the board was getting paid and everybody was getting paid and the chapters weren't getting any money and there was a $2 million dollars uh, coming into this organization and everyone but the people were getting rich. That was a lie. Now, how do I know that? Well, I just happen to be the boss boss of that organization. Burger flipper to the boss of an educational society. Neat, right? 
Well, one of the perks I have in that role is that I can look at the books, which I have. And I can tell you, without a doubt, that those stories about people getting paid, including me, millions of dollars or whatever, were lies. 100% lies. Why would people do that? Why would somebody lie about things like that as they were um, joining and building other organizations trying to get the people that supported the first organization to instead lend their support and their dollars and wallets to them? Why would they do that? I still don't understand. I still don't understand why somebody would try to burn down one organization and funnel people from that organization to another one in which they were a part of. Boggles my mind. Still don't understand. I don't know. Maybe I'll figure it out someday. Anyway, those things were, they were not true. So if anyone's saying those things or they're telling you those things, they also are dirty, rotten liars. And you got to ask yourself, if they're lying about this, what's the purpose? Well, you look, you need look no further than where they landed. Some of them are political hopefuls. Some of them are in other political parties. And they have a vested interest in convincing people to not support organizations doing good work and instead support them with their time and their dollars. It's very simple. But make your own choice. Um, some people have asked me why I didn't run as an MLA in the last election. I actually said two years ago that I was going to run as an MLA for Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta in Lacombe-Panoka. But there was actually something else attached to that shortly after. I said, if there's somebody who's a really good person that's going to run, I'm not going to run against them because that would be stupid. Why would I, why would I um, get in the way of someone who's going to do a good job being elected in my area? And I watched the party implode, and I watched the, the the board and executives suing members or some ridiculous things like that. And I thought, well, you know, this is obviously not going to make any tangible difference in this province, so why would I spend my time? And I so I changed my mind. I changed my path. Another thing I realized after talking to dozens, probably not dozens, maybe like a dozen MLAs, was that even if you're elected as an MLA in this province or anywhere and you get in the legislature, you can't do shit. You can't do anything unless someone outside of politics has built, created the parade that you can get in front of. You go in the legislature and scream from the top of your lungs how the restrictions are bad and the vaccine mandate is bad and all these things are bad and we shouldn't be doing it. And the government quickly shuts you down or your peers shut Shut you down because that kind of talk won't win an election because the people aren't on board. So instead of taking a, and probably winning, instead of campaigning for an, a position in government as an MLA, which I probably would have won because most of you didn't hate me back then because I hadn't done a satire video showing the lunacy of confirmation bias. I decided it was more important to create the parade that the government needed to get in front of. So I took an unpaid job with an organization to try and do that. 
if it was all about money, if I wanted the money, I would have just pretended that becoming an MLA could fix everything and I could make all the difference in the world. But that wasn't the right thing to do, so I didn't do it. Anyway, that in a nutshell is why I got involved with certain organizations. And I kind of went off on a little tangent there and called some more people liars, but that's okay because they're liars and they need to be called out. And if somebody doesn't do it, if nobody does it, then more people are going to be hoodwinked into believing these liars and we're never going to accomplish anything. Oh, yes, don't worry. I'll talk about unity in a bit. Let's get through this list first, okay? There's some really juicy stuff in here. It's juicy like a hot dog. Um, do you want to know what I, this one I've gotten a lot of questions about and a lot of people sending me messages. You got to watch this, Chris. What are you going to do about this? Here we go. Do you want to know what I really think about others around me, their platforms, their fundraising purposes, and they're waiting for people to pop on? I'll make this very short and sweet. I don't give a shit what other people do, what they say. I don't give a crap about their platform. I could not possibly care any less. But I do respect and admire their tenacity for trying to do something, regardless if it's for freedom or making a name for themselves or personal gain. I would never fault anyone for trying to build themselves up or do better or whatever. You want to be successful, work at it. People are working at it and they're 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 doing it. Good for them. But don't confuse my respect for other people with a a free pass for for slamming and slandering me about stuff. There was a lot of questions before the convoy as to why I wasn't involved right in the beginning. And the main reason is, now this is going to be horrible for some of you to hear. I know you don't want to hear this, but I got to say it. I run a business. I opened my business against the restrictions because I wanted to run my business. And I don't have time to go and do everything. I need to run my business. But it was always in the back of my mind. I saw the TikTok videos. I saw Chris Barber talking about his friends that he was talking with at the bar. I saw Bridget Belton talking about stuff. Then I saw someone talking about how they were going to promote this convoy um, for the low, low fee of whatever it was percentage of the GoFundMe. I thought, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I see where this is going. This is not getting promoted because it's, you know, it's a worthy cause. It's being pumped and promoted because people are donating money and someone wants a cut of it. And I never said anything about it. It's none of my business. People can make up their own mind about things. But that was why I ignored it. It wasn't actually until I saw videos of the people on the overpasses and stuff in BC and the truck convoy happening. And I realized, like, this is... It's bigger than any person. It's not about the organizers. This is like the real thing. This is the thing that could could tip the scales in this country because the people are rising up. And within, and that was on Friday. That was a Friday uh, before, that was the Friday before the Monday that we left from Calgary. In that time, 
I got a picker truck lined up. I got it CVIPed. I got it insured and registered. I packed. I told my staff I was leaving for Ottawa. I told my girlfriend, Jessica, and my girlfriend, Carrie, that we're going to Ottawa. And we went with nothing. I've been accused of only doing that because of the GoFundMe. Let's talk about that. I had some serious concerns when I saw that ticker going up, 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 break the 300,000, break the million, creeping up on 5 million. I'm thinking, holy shit, what's going on? Are the Russians funding this? Is this being funded by the by Ukraine? Is this being funded by China? What's going on? It couldn't possibly be people across this country chipping in because they wanted to make a difference and they believed in each other. That's to be foreign interference, right? So what do I do? Did I go on Facebook and start trashing people about a fundraiser or making wild accusations and claims? No. You know what I did? I quietly and politely phoned Tamara, who I didn't know from Eve. And I said, what's the deal with this? And I had a good conversation with her. And I realized that this was just a lady trying to do something to make a difference, to try and support these truckers going out there. And it became something that was way more than she anticipated. You know, we talked about how she had had to hire accountants and a team to manage this. And like she, like it was way above her, above her head, but she was so proud that people were standing up. And I thought, wow, this is, this is really something. And um, I asked her, you know, where is this money going? And she was upfront about it. She said, this is where it's going. None of the money comes to us. It's not for that. It's for it's for this convoy, for this protest. And I took her at her word. And it wasn't just her, actually. I asked around a little bit more. I talked to a couple of the people that were close to those working on, you know, the accounting stuff. And it was legit. You might have seen a TikTok or a Facebook video claiming that it wasn't legit and that everyone's getting rich. Well, guess what? They're all a bunch of dirty, rotten liars. That's not the truth. People weren't getting rich and the intentions were good. I know they were. So I went. I said we're going for a week. We ended up being there for three weeks uh, to the point where those around me that were with me on the trip were going to get fired because they had skipped on a work so long and we had to go back. But maybe it was a good thing to go back anyway because. I was told that the folks in Coots needed some help and support down there. So I thought, well, maybe this is where we're supposed to be. We'll get everyone back to work, and then I'll head down to Coots, and then we'll come back to Ottawa later. Well, you know how that worked out. Halfway, not even halfway, a day and a half into our return trip, shit hit the fan in Ottawa. People were getting trampled by horses. <clears throat> I was beating up the dash of the truck because we weren't there for that, wanted to be there for that. And then, of course, people start with their asinine accusations. Oh, Chris is a government plant. He knew it was happening, so he left before it got rough. You idiots. You have no idea, no idea how bad it felt to not be there for that. But that's the way it worked out, and I don't know why. 
that's how it went. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I would do it again in a heartbeat. But not the way it's being done now. Some of you might find this next part offensive. I don't care. So I've been asked why I didn't go to Winnipeg for a convoy in the center of Canada. Why did I not go to Ottawa this time? My inbox is full of messages. Are you going to Ottawa? The, my, my live streams and webinars and breakfast posts are filled with insinuating comments about, you know, asking why I'm not in Ottawa. I'll tell you. It's the same thing I said before. I actually want to make a difference and I want there to be a solution. And if the solution is right in front of us here in Alberta, why would I go to Ottawa? Why would I go to Winnipeg? Do I want to go on a camping trip? I don't really have time for that. You can't create. You can't, no matter how much you want to create and be the leader of a new convoy, like we saw, it is not going to happen. Not like that. The government did a very, very good job of crushing Canadians who stood up for themselves. They did a very good job of scaring Canadians into, you know, not supporting those types of things. Fundraising for all sorts of things has dried up, especially if it's like helping to defend somebody that's in court for whatever, participating in protest. They scared the crap out of people. And it's going to be a long time before people do that again. I've been accused of not caring about the children. Ah, why don't you don't want to save the children? Why aren't you in Ottawa? Because going to Ottawa isn't going to save any children. Working here in our communities and in our province could. We have the opportunity to... Um, to, to get on school boards and library boards and fix these problems that we're talking about. And yet I'm, I'm not a freedom minded individual because I'm not in Ottawa. It's talk like until Trudeau resigns. Now backing up a little bit, I was actually completely blown away and pissed off when I heard the rhetoric going on when people started heading to Ottawa again, you know, people were saying like, oh, we're, it's going to be different this time. We're locked and loaded. What the fuck are you talking about? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You want to give the entire movement a bad name by saying stupid things like that? I don't want any part of it. And then I heard, or the idea is to, Block in the banking district? Who comes up with these things? That's not a solution. That's creating a whole bunch more problems that the rest of us have to deal with. Why would I support that? You thinly veil it with, with delusions of saving the children when the children need to be saved right where we're at? We don't need a big grandiose gesture to do that. Staying in Ottawa, you can stay in Ottawa as long as you want. 
the prime minister's not going to resign. He didn't resign when there was millions of people there. He didn't even talk to us. That horse is dead. There's no reason to beat it anymore. Sure, awareness is important. Great. Absolutely. I support people trying to raise awareness for things. But when it comes to accusing me or others around me of, uh, you know, not caring because we're not doing those same things, sorry, but you're going to hear some painful truths here. You want to save the children from being indoctrinated in schools? Get on your school board. Education is provincial jurisdiction. You want to save the children? Fight for your province to have sovereignty in those jurisdictions that they're supposed to. Do the things that you can do. Work on the things that you you can change. Don't go and beat a dead horse. As for my platform, um, I just have to remind you folks that I literally run a, a diner and a gas station. That's what I do for a living. This platform, this Whistle Stop Cafe Facebook page was the page I used to advertise my business and show you what I'm cooking for breakfast. I'm not a podcaster. I'm not trying to make a business of this. I certainly don't have the time to do this. I actually have to be up in, what is it, midnight? I have to be up in five hours to open the restaurant so I can cook you breakfast. That's what I do. This is just a, it, it, it seemed to be that people, you know, they, they want to hear what's going on. So I oblige. But to be accused that I'm not using my platform for good because I'm not in, I'm not promoting these ideas, these, in my humble opinion, dead end paths. That's a stretch. It's a real stretch. Ah, but I don't care. Whatever. That's why I make hamburgers. Because food makes you happy. Let's move on in this list a little bit. Uh, have you ever wondered how the Whistle Stop Cafe seems to be the only restaurant to survive being open against the restrictions? Was it all coordinated right from the start as a government psyop? No, it was not. It's literally the business that I chose to get into because I was sick of the government interfering in my business. I was in the oil patch. Sick of the feast and famine. Every couple of years, the government would do something stupid and we wouldn't be working again. I was sick of it. So I decided, oh, I'm just going to live my life out in a small town, run a gas station, restaurant. Nobody will bother me, whatever. It'll be peaceful. Well, fuck. That didn't work out very good, did it? Not at all. The idea that I this it was never there before and it just popped up during COVID. No. The Facebook page popped up. That place has been there since 1967 when it was built. I just happened to be the one that had to fight for my life while I was running it against government restrictions. So there's the question of why am I the only restaurant that seems to have survived this that opened up against restrictions? Well, I want to remind you, um, there are thousands of restaurants in this province Tens of thousands of businesses that will never open their doors again because the government illegally implemented restrictions and mandates and destroyed their businesses, destroyed their lives, and destroyed their families. 
The government did that to business in this province. They also destroyed my business. The truth to that question is that my restaurant did not survive. I just took steps to buy myself time to wait out, hoping for a resolution or something to happen. When you operate a business, there's a line that you never, ever cross. And that line is when you start funneling your own net worth and your future into the business to sustain it, you let the business die. That's business. I didn't do that. I didn't do that because there are still hundreds of people who come to the Whistle Stop Cafe, not because our burgers are the best burgers that you'll ever eat in your whole entire lifetime, not because our coffee is delicious and will completely get rid of your morning fog, not because our staff is amazing and beautiful and super friendly and, and like-minded and actually will accept you regardless of who you are. It's not any of those reasons. Well, actually, no, it is those reasons. That's what I meant. It's not about the business anymore. It stopped being about the business when thousands, hundreds of thousands of people across this country fundraised for me so that I could actually buy the place. And by the way, no, I didn't pay it off. People didn't buy my restaurant. I raised enough for a down payment and I still have to pay it off just to clear that up. Anyone that says, says otherwise, guess what they are? You guessed it, dirty, rotten liars. Anyway, it became more than a business. And I crossed that line long ago. And I have funneled um, just about everything I have. No, not everything I have. Like I, I have my stuff and I have some old vehicles. Like I, I drive a 2010 Jeep that's kind of a piece of crap. And a 76 Grand Torino because it's the coolest car on the planet. <clears throat> but, uh, you know... I, I sold my house and I rent it back now because I, I I had to, to keep that place going. But my point is, from a business perspective, it did not survive. All I did was put off the inevitable as long as I could because I could not bear the, the, the idea that people would travel across the country to come to the Whistlestop Cafe that gave them hope for whatever reason, and it wouldn't be there, wouldn't be closed. Or maybe it would be run by someone who just didn't give a shit about any of that. So that's the reality. Now, that's my problem. It's a choice I made. And I'll figure out a way to solve that problem somehow. I hope. I mean, I have faith that everything happens for a reason. Um, I know that things will happen the way they're supposed to. So I, I don't worry about this as much as a business person should. But. That's the answer to the question is my business did not survive. It's just been on life support for two years. 
partly because I'm too stubborn to let the government win. And if I closed the doors when it was no longer financially sustainable, um, the government would have won. And I'm not going to let them do that. Fuck them. Not this government. I kind of like this government. Fuck the last one. Okay. Um, what was the real reason that I refused to participate in the restrictions exemption program and instead kept my cafe closed for dine-in services? This one's going to be short. Because discriminating against anybody for any reason and refusing them service in your business is a fucked up thing to do. And it makes you a douchebag. That's why I didn't do it. And if you did that and you don't like what I say, I don't give a shit. That's the truth. If you told somebody that you wouldn't pour them a coffee because they didn't make the same choices with their body that you did, you're a douchebag. Go ahead and unfollow my page. I don't care. That's the truth. That's why I didn't follow the restrictions exemption program. At that point, I was on conditions, uh, bail conditions, that said if I didn't follow the rules that the CMOH put out, I would go to jail for criminal contempt of court. That's a biggie. So yeah, a judge actually told me that I would go to jail if I didn't obey illegal laws, illegal rules. That's how that panned out. And I find it very interesting I went to jail because I protested bad government policy. I protested the restrictions and the mandates. I went to jail for protesting. And the judge that granted the order that put me in jail, Associate Chief Justice John Rook, he issued that order without me being present, without me being represented, Alberta Health Services went to a judge and said, we want this order, and the judge gave it to them. As a matter of fact, the judge gave them an order that covered every man, woman, and child in Alberta. The Justice Center, Center for Constitutional Freedoms uh, had that part of it overturned shortly thereafter, but the rest of it remained. Now, here's the real kicker. A judge issued an order that affected every man, woman, and child in this province and he didn't even check to make sure that what Alberta Health Services was doing was legal. At that point, the orders were illegal, just like I said they were. And yet, a senior judge at that time at the Court of Queen's Bench didn't bother to check the legality of what he was doing. And I went to jail for that, for protesting that. Now, to be fair, the order said that I wasn't allowed to incite, organize, attend, or promote an illegal gathering. And that was not an illegal gathering because the CMOH orders were illegal. And yet, I went to jail. 
messed up, right? So part of the reason why I no part of the reason why um, I didn't just open my restaurant and allow people to come in, and instead I said we're only doing takeout, was because had I violated the unlawful restrictions again, I would have been thrown in jail and charged criminally. And that's not a line I wanted to cross. I was hoping, I put my faith in the courts that the courts would do their fucking job and protect the people of this country the way they're supposed to. Oops, I waited for someone else to save me. I should have saved myself. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, what did the multi-million dollar check that I received look like? Yeah, there are people out there saying that I received millions of dollars from the government simply because the path that I see to a solution involves engaging and participating in democracy. Uh, here's the check, folks. Here's the check I received from the government or shilling for them. It, you know this is true because you see it on Facebook. It's even signed by Klaus Schwab. And the memo says shilling for us. So it must be that this is from the government and I received $2 million. But nobody will cash the damn check. I need this $2 million. I'm in a bind here, folks. I need fuel for Chem Niner. How do I always have a bad hairdo even though my barber is awesome and I leave the shop looking like Antonio Banderas? Well, short answer, deep fryers. Yeah, working in the kitchen all day, you get a lot of deep fryer mist on you, makes your hair heavy, falls down, poof, Antonio Banderas' persona is gone. What exactly is in our gravy that makes it so delicious? Beef, meat, maybe some turkey, maybe some ham stock, probably, but mostly beef. Our gravy is delicious because we take our veggie ends and we boil them down for two days or maybe even three days sometimes, make a beautiful veggie stock. And then we take the trimmings from our roast and the trimming from our steak and all sometimes fry it up until it's almost burnt, just black, you know, that nice caramelized. And then we boil the abs, the ever living bejesus out of it for another day or two. We boil it down and boil it down and then we make gravy out of it. That's why our gravy is so delicious. It doesn't just come from a box. I mean, we have a box of gravy mix that we'll add and, you know, juice it up a little bit. But it's delicious because there's meat in it. Real meat from an animal. That's right. Not a patty shaped like meat made from vegetables, but actual meat. That's why our gravy is delicious. And it's got vegetables. Most important question of all, why, why do we call our flagship burger a zombie burger? When I was a kid, I ate at Dell's Drive-In, Dell's Diner, Campbell River, BC. My grandpa used to take me there. It was a real legit 50s diner, uh, like where you could actually pull up and they put the tray on your window and the girls come out and they deliver your food and little uniforms and stuff. Yeah, they had a burger called a zombie burger that had an onion ring and a hot dog on it. I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Almost as cool as my grandpa, who was also my hero, still is. And that was my favorite burger, but Dell's Drive-In, suffered the same fate that a lot of businesses do in the name of progress. The highway was moved from in front of Dell's 
to farther on and joined with the freeway. Traffic died up or died out in that area of town. And the owners had been at it for a long time. So they closed the doors and there was no more zombie burger. But I have my own diner now and I can make my own zombie burger. So that's what we do. Anyhow, um, has anybody found out what the hexadecimal stuff means at the bottom of that yet? I actually put that on there, poking fun at people who see something on the internet and then use that to base their actions on without thinking it through. For instance, my video about chemtrails that people still say that I should be killed or go to hell because I'm spraying them. I made a video explaining very clearly the purpose of that, why I did it, how it's complete lunacy, it couldn't possibly work, and yet people are like, I know what you're doing. I know you're spraying us, and I'm going to expose you. Go ahead and expose me. The only thing that's getting exposed when people say things like that, when you say things like that, is your own lack of critical thinking skills. And that's why we're in this problem right now. The unity that some people are barking like it actually means something to them will not happen because of things like this. Because somebody will go on the internet, someone will send something to them, and they'll be like, oh my goodness, Chris from the Whistle Stop is spraying us, and not bother to think about it. If you take 10 minutes out of your day to think about what you're seeing and make your own decision and your own choice and set your bias aside just for a moment, we might have a chance at some sort of unity, but we don't right now. We do not. My business has gone to shit because I don't buy into the lunacy that every line you see in the sky is a chemtrail. Of all the things, I want to see a prosperous and free Alberta, and I'm pursuing that as best I can, as best I know how, working with groups like the Alberta Prosperity Project. To the benefit of all Albertans and people say stupid things like, I won't support that because you don't believe in chemtrails. Wow. It's almost like there's people out there that don't want us to be free and prosperous. And they'll plant these little seeds of rabbit hole material so that we get so distracted in that that we can't work together. It's almost like when we work together, we can accomplish anything. Humanity can. But people know that, so they give us reasons to fight with each other. I stand with Ukraine. I stand with Russia. Oh my goodness, Hamas. Oh my goodness, Palestine. What's going on in Israel? Who do you stand with? What flag is on your window? Are you, are you going to do something about the pilots spraying chemicals on us? Look, there's one right now. Divide, 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 divide. And we can no longer accomplish what we need to accomplish. There are people out there who won't pursue freedom and prosperity because they're divided on these issues. There are people out there with literally zero skin in the game when it comes to you know, the legal aspect of this who slam me for such a ridiculous thing that I didn't just use the Bill of Rights in court. If you believe that bullshit, 
go break the law lawfully. How do I say that? I got to redo that. Don't go break the law. Push back against illegal government mandates. Then go into court and say, I'm going to use the Bill of Rights. And watch how fast you fail. Everybody that's done it has failed. It's a bunch of bullshit. And yet people believe it because somebody out there has a website and they're convincing people that that's true. They say, oh, we had a success story. No, they didn't. They had a story where a case got thrown out just like thousands of others at the same time that didn't try and use the Bill of Rights. I'm so sick of people that don't have a business on the line, their home on the line, their life on the line, telling me that I'm an asshole because I don't subscribe to their moronic delusions that never worked for anybody. I'm sick of it. My business has suffered for it because there's people out there to think I must be a shell because I didn't do that and just instead I paid lawyers and used the system and blah, blah, blah. We're in the system. It doesn't matter if you believe Canada is a country or not. It doesn't matter if you believe the Constitution is valid or not. Forty some odd million Canadians do and we live in a democracy and the majority rules and the majority of this country. The majority of this province have faith in the institutions that we find ourselves in. And guess what? They have the police. They have the guns. They have the jails. They have the courts. And you might not believe that it's real, but they will show you that it's real when they arrest your ass and throw you in jail. <laughs> Speaking of throwing your ass in jail... I just want to remind people of a few things. Right now, there are four men still in remand. Not jail, but remand. Like the holding cells kind of thing before you have trial. They've been there for 600 and some odd days. Sorry, I can't remember the exact number. Chris, Jerry, Tony, Chris. I don't know if they're guilty of what they've been accused. But I do know that what's happening to them is the most, one of the most disgusting abuses of the system that I have ever seen in my life. They're sitting in jail. Now, this isn't about their innocence or guilt or anything like that. This is about them sitting in jail for 600 days, almost two years, with no trial and no bail. In this country, you are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. There's all sorts of suspicious bullshit around their arrest, around the evidence. It's ludicrous. The lawyers and the judges are just going on holidays while these guys rot in jail. It's unreal. And no, I'm sorry, it doesn't have anything to do with our government here in this province. It has everything to do with that system that's dirty. It's a system. You might, you might, this might remind you of something else. Imagine a system built by a government at the request of lobbyists and very wealthy, powerful individuals. Now, this system 
has the capability to funnel a group of people into it and then charge taxpayers to process and maintain and administer the people that it has in the system. And then the people who lobbied for this system get filthy rich because they're the ones supplying the service. Imagine, imagine that people go to jail and it's one of the biggest businesses in the province. People are making millions, hundreds of millions of dollars off of feeding the inmates, clothing them, cleaning the facilities, those types of things. Imagine if that system wasn't to the benefit of our society, but instead it was to the benefit of those who know we're too busy with our heads stuck in rabbit holes to pay attention to what we can actually fix so we don't fix it. And those four men are a symptom of a very, very, very bad disease. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like free healthcare? That's nothing more than a doctor visit for free. And then when you leave the doctor, you go and you buy pharmaceuticals because the doctor tells you to. The same system that takes their marching orders from the folks who said, stay in your home, wear a mask, take a jab, and then sells billions of dollars worth of a cure to us. Does it sound familiar? Can you hear it? Can you see it? Or do you have your head stuck down a rabbit hole? Now, I'm not saying that some of those interesting theories might not be real. But I'm saying there are things we can fix, there's things we can control, and there's things that we can't yet. I wish we could agree to pursue solutions right now so that we can continue later. Speaking of continuing later, it's 1230. Tired. It's time to go to bed. I hope you liked my tell-all. I hope you enjoyed the uh, very revealing information that I gave you. And if you didn't, well, I don't care. But I'll try harder next time because it is actually fun entertaining people. So thank you very much. Uh, lastly, please, no matter what you think of, of my opinions, please, if you want to make a difference, get involved somehow. You know, rallies are fun. Camping trips are fun. Doing the awareness and activism stuff is fun. It's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of great people. But there comes a time when you have to acknowledge that there is a solution in front of you and all you have to do is do the work to become part of the solution we had our fun being activists now if we do the work and we carry even 10 percent of that activism over into the work we're going to fix things and we can do it we booted a premier we're changing out our board of a of a political party with freedom-minded individuals um, the government's speaking our language somewhat not perfect, but it is better. We have organizations of tens of thousands of concerned Albertans who are working to do things like take over woke school boards, take over woke library boards, 
and stop the policies that are harming us and our children right now. And we don't have to go and yell at the Prime Minister to do it. We can do it here. On a grander scale, this province can stand up against the federal government. We're probably the only province that can do it right now. There is a solution at hand. And if we do the work, we can solve it. We've got to do it together. Good night.